Psalm 23, let's read the six verses inside of this chapter, Psalm 23. We're going to read verses uh, 1 through 6. The Bible says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord together. This morning we get to tackle verse number 2 of Psalm 23, and I want to talk to you on this topic. True freedom is found in the shepherd's care. Psalm 23 is where we're at. In case you've missed the first couple weeks, let me catch you up to speed. We've done two sermons thus far in Psalm 23 covering the first verse. So we've covered nine words in about an hour and a half. So we'll move a little bit faster today. But we've spent two weeks in the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. We talked about two primary thoughts. One is that David is saying the Lord is my shepherd. What he's saying is I'm proud to belong to the good shepherd that I am thrilled, I'm elated, I'm excited that the Lord is my shepherd. And that is an exaltation of the Lord. It's saying, God, you're my shepherd, but it's a humiliation of David. David is saying, I'm a sheep. I'm stubborn. I'm timid. I'm dumb. I need care. I need help because I am the sheep. And he's humbling himself and recognizing that he needs a caretaker. He needs the Lord to be over him and then he says, based on this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we talked about that when we're content with who we have, when we're content with him, then we're content with what we have. The perimeter that he puts in our life, the problems he allows to enter our life, the possessions that we have in our life, when we're content with him, we're content with what we have. And we're not talking about, I shall not want a life of deep luxury. We're not talking about, you never have a need, you never have a care. We're talking about that in Jesus Christ, you can find rest and contentment and help for your soul that you cannot find anywhere else. And David has found the pasture where discontentment goes to die. And he is, he's resting in that, and he's loving that. And it was in that sermon two weeks ago that we began to unpack this idea that freedom is found in Jesus Christ, that freedom is found truly when we live within a perimeter and when, when we live within the right set of boundaries and the right set of rules, then that's where true freedom is found. A fish is only free if it's in the perimeter of, of water. A fish is not free when it goes on land. It dies. And likewise, when we live within the right perimeter, we find true freedom. And we talked a little bit about how that freedom is equated with absolute individual autonomy nowadays. Most people, when they say, I want to be free, I want my freedom, what they're saying is, I want no rules, no boundaries, no authority, no one to, no one to preside over me, no one to tell me what to do. I want absolute individual autonomy. And how that actually is counterproductive and self-destructive. That the person that says, I want to live in absolute autonomy, handcuffs and enslaves themselves to the idea that they must have absolute autonomy. And what happens is they become resistant to any relationship or any commitment or anything that's going to somehow hold them down. And what that does is it, it really disarms them and makes it impossible 
for, him, for them to have any sort of uh, contentment or commitment or satisfaction in a relationship or in a job or just in life and how that really that's a farce. The idea of absolute individual autonomy crumbles and it hurts society, it hurts the fabric of our country, and it hurts individuals. But David begins, I believe, to elaborate on this topic in verse number two and to tell us a little bit that freedom is truly found under the shepherd's care. And I, I warned you at the onset of this series that there would be some sermons where we come to a passage of Psalm 23 and we begin to dive in and understand what it's saying in light of a shepherd and a sheep and that it would be different than maybe what you thought it originally meant. This morning's going to be one of those. There will probably be some moments in the sermon where you see Psalm 23, and especially verse number 2, in a different light when we look at what a shepherd and a sheep's relationship is. So I want, I want us to see here in verse number 2 that David begins to disclose this idea that freedom is found in the shepherd's care. When he says, he, the shepherd, maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. When we're under the shepherd's care, there are at least six items. There's probably more than six, but I'm actually going to give you six today. So I don't normally give you six points in a sermon, so you'll have to listen fast. But there's at least six items that David says we have freedom from based off of verse number two. And I'll just list them for, for them quickly, and then we'll, we'll tackle them one by one. We have freedom from fear. We have freedom with, from friction with others. We have freedom from aggravation. We have freedom from hunger. We have freedom from restlessness. And we have freedom from deception. So the first five are in the first portion of this verse. Then the, the last one, deception, is in the last part of the verse. So I want us to start with uh, the first portion of this verse. And we'll see that when we are in the shepherd's care, we are free from fear. You say, free from fear, what do you mean? The Bible says that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. For a sheep to lie down in a green pasture, there are several things, at least four things, that have to happen. A shepherd has to literally do on behalf of the sheep to allow them to enjoy the rest that they need. One of those is fear. Sheep are very timid animals. You could have a flock of sheep and a jackrabbit will just bounce across the plain and one sheep will see it and he'll get frightened and he'll pop up and he'll take off running. And what do you know all the other sheep do? They see, well, he's running, we better run too. And they all just take off because of a stupid little jackrabbit. We have seen probably this analogy. We've heard of counting sheep. You try to go to sleep by counting sheep, right? And generally the way that we picture this is there's a fence, right? And then there's a little sheep that hops over the fence. And then after that one, another one hops over the fence and then hops over the fence. If you actually look at a children's book or you watch some little uh, counting sheep on YouTube or something, normally those sheep are depicted, if you actually look closely, with, with fright or fear on their face. What counting sheep is depicting is literally one sheep gets scared, runs and jumps over the fence where it shouldn't go, and then another one follows it, and then another one follows it, and then another one follows it. It's depicting what really David is saying here, that for a sheep to be able to lie down in green pastures, they have to be free from fear. And there's one thing that calms the sheep more than anything else. There's one thing that takes away the fear, that takes away the anxiety, that takes away the turmoil inside of the sheep more than anything else, the presence of the shepherd. When the shepherd is there, when the shepherd is close, the sheep are much less prone to be scared. 
to run at the side of a jackrabbit, to run when the other one runs. Why? Because the shepherd is near. And that is so true for our lives. If you really want freedom from anxiety, if you really want freedom from fear, from the turmoil, from the foreboding that can enter into your soul when you feel like the waters are far from calm internally, if that is you, then there's one thing that you need as a Christian, and that is to get as close as you possibly can to the shepherd. When you are close to him, when his presence is in your life, when you are walking with him, it's then that you can experience true freedom from fear. It's then that you can experience a peace that really passes all understanding that only God can give to you, and it's in his presence, it's in your relationship with him, your walk with him, you're in his words, your prayer life, you walking with the Lord. It's essential and paramount for a sheep to be able to have freedom from fear. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That sound mind is literally a mind that's at peace or a mind that is at ease. And it's only here under the shepherd's care that true freedom comes. This is why Isaiah can say to us, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, talking to God. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That peace, that, that calmness, that tranquility that you want, that you long for, that you need internally, it only comes from the presence of the shepherd. It only comes from his care. It only comes from him being near and close to you. And you can experience freedom from fear when you're living close to the shepherd. But also, for a sheep to be able to lie down in green pastures, it's not just freedom from fear. There also has to be freedom from, fi- from friction. This is primarily with other sheep. What other sheep do, and and this is not uh, unique to sheep. This is normal for any species. There's some sort of social order, really, in all of our species. In chickens, we call it a pecking order. In uh, cows, we call it a horning order. In sheep, they call it literally a butting order. Like, I'm going to butt you, or I'm going to lower my head, and I'm going to ram you. Like, I'm going to butt you. They call it a butting order, because what will happen is the older, bigger sheep will want their territory, their little plot of pasture, their way, they, they want this spot. And they will take the younger, feeble, smaller sheep, and they will literally butt them. The older will walk up straight-legged, lower the head, dilate the eyes, and it's all meant to communicate, move. Get out of my way. I want that grass. I don't want that grass or that grass. I want that grass. And you better get out of it. And if the younger sheep does not, that sheep will ram them literally bruise them, break a bone, will send them running. And it will create this friction. And when that happens to the younger sheep, they cannot lay down and rest. They're constantly on guard of, am I going to be moved? Am I going to be rammed? Am I going to be butted by some older sheep? I want you to turn to Ezekiel 34 because the Bible uses this analogy uh, several times on that we're sheep and what the Lord does for us and it especially uses this, this budding order in Ezekiel chapter number 34. So Ezekiel is back towards the New Testament, towards the back of your Bible. Pretty decent sized book. Look in uh, verse number 15 is where we'll start in chapter 34. And we'll see this friction that arises inside of the fold that the shepherd tries to come and help. Ezekiel 34, look in verse number 15. And keep your finger in Psalm 23. But verse number 15. God is talking and God says this, I will feed my flock. Verse 15, I'll cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost. And then he says this, 
I'll bring again that which was driven away. Literally, the sheep that's being driven away by the older sheep and the friction. I will bind up that which was broken, that the damage that the sheep has done. I'll strengthen that which was sick. I'll destroy the fat and the strong, and I'll feed them with judgment. This is why David can write in Psalm 23 and say, Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. The staff to guide, the rod to whack. That both of them guide me. That the, God is saying, I'm going to take that fat, that abusive sheep, and I'm going to give them judgment. I'm going to give them the rod. Look in verse number 20. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and the lean cattle, the strong and the weak. 21, because ye have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the diseased with your horns till ye have scattered them abroad. He's literally describing this, this happening that you're pushing and you're shoving and you're scattering them. Verse number 22, Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall be no more a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle. What is, what, is, what is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying that for us to lie down in green pasture, that is because of the shepherd. He makes us, and he is the one that enters in and gives the peace. He's the one that enters in and gives the lack of friction. He is the one that helps us with those issues. You say, what do you mean he helps us with those issues? I've never had a church member walk up to me and, and headbutt me before. At least I hope you have, and if you have, I'm, I'm deeply sorry. They're strange. Do not hold it against us. But that's not normative. But we have friction, don't we? We have, we have these little petty issues that start to arise inside of the flock that we need the shepherd to come and just dispel. We, we have our little pet peeves. We have our mountains we're going to die on. We have our, no, that's my seat. I've been sitting there for 20 years. You better get out of my seat. No one sits in my, Right? We do sometimes. It's real, folks. We have our hang-ups. We have our struggles. Sometimes even we have this friction with other people, and they don't know we have a friction with them. We're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Maybe we're trying to keep up with the Joneses' kids. The self-assertion, the self-promotion, the desire to have more, to compare ourselves to other people, the desire, I don't want to be the little weak sheep. I want to be the big sheep. I want to be in charge. I want a, I want a social pecking order, and I want to be at the top of the pecking order. That happens. That's real life. And the Bible says that, that only the shepherd can come and give freedom from that. The shepherd comes, and when the shepherd is there with rod and staff, sometimes that's a, a staff to guide, and sometimes it's a rod to correct, but he's there with rod. And you know what the older sheep do when the shepherd's there? They stop. They stop the stupidity. They stop the fighting. They stop the big. And if they don't stop, the shepherd bruises them. The shepherd teaches them a lesson. It's only in his presence that honestly, we can let all the little subsidiary stupid stuff that we get hung up on die away. It's only with him and in his presence and under his care that the friction begins to go away. And some would argue that this isn't all bad. You know, hey, we, we need a pecking order. We need a social order. And I, I remind you, the Bible says that the Lord judges that. Romans 8 tells us that if it's possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. We weren't created to live in friction. We weren't created to live in competition. And I love sports and I love competition. They can teach us a lot of things. But we weren't created to live that way. We're created to live like that. We're created to have a lack of friction. And when there is a lack of friction, when there is a lack of fear and there's freedom from that, then the sheep can begin to lie down in green pastures. Thirdly, I'd say this, there's freedom from aggravation. For a sheep to lie down, it's more than just fear and it's more than just friction. There's aggravation as well. And I won't, I won't, 
talk a lot about this because we're going to cover this in verse number 5 of Psalm 23 in much greater detail. But for a sheep to have peace and rest, they have to have a lack of aggravation. It's aggravation from what? Aggravation primarily from flies, from ticks, from insects. That a sheep literally needs to be, his wool needs to be treated with chemical. His Psalm 23 verse 5 is going to put it as, he anoints my head with oil. That oil on the head was meant to get rid of the flies, was meant to take them away. Not just little flies. I don't, do we have them here? Do we have, I know in Kentucky we did growing up. Do we have horse flies here? Like the big old, like possessed by a demon, will bite your arm off flies? We have those? I haven't seen many in the summer. I know as a kid growing up, we'd be in the pool playing and your hair would be wet and you wouldn't realize that a horsefly had landed on your head until it like tapped deep into the crevices of your brain and started sucking stuff out. And all of a sudden, this pain, I mean, deep pain, literally shoots over your body. And what do you do? You slap yourself on the head as hard as you can to create more pain. And I always went into the water. I tried to shake my head and shake my hair and try to get rid of that. Because flies can hurt. They're more than just like a shoe fly don't bother me. They can hurt. They can cause some damage. And for a sheep to be able to lie down in green pasture, they, cannot, they can't have those aggravants. They cannot be covered with insects and have their wool with ticks all inside of it. They, they have to be free from that. And the only way that's possible, the, a sheep cannot do that for themselves. The sheep cannot anoint its own head with oil. It cannot apply the chemical to its own wool. The sheep has to go to the shepherd. The sheep has to find help and care from him. It's the only way possible. His care is going to make it possible for them to lie down in green pastures. And honestly, isn't life full of aggravations? Normally we call them mother-in-laws, but they're, we're full of them. I'm just kidding. I can say that because I love. All you let, you're mad at me. All the mother-in-laws are mad. I'm just kidding, okay? My mother-in-law was here last week. We had a great time. I love my mother-in-law. And you, you got to meet her last week. She's a great lady. So I can, I can say that just, I don't know, I guess I can. But there, there are aggravations. There really are. There are these scenarios that arise. There are these people that arise that irritate us. And what do we call it? It's an apt analogy. We call it, they bug us. Like a fly or a tick, they bug us. Right? Ever had that where you walk into work, it's, it's just going to be a normal day, and you walk home from work, and you just can't turn the brain off. You just, all you're thinking about is what they said and what they did and how they get under your skin and how they push your buttons. And you're laying down. You know you need to go to sleep. You have to get up early in the morning. But all you're thinking about is them. That stupid little issue that's probably not going to amount to anything in six months. You look back and say, why in the world did I care about that? But it's bugging you. It's aggravating you. It's weighing on your mind. It's, it's, it's taking away your rest. It's taking away your freedom. The only solution to that, honestly, the solution is not for you to start to build the mental scenarios and play out how this is going to go. Yeah, we do that, don't we? I'm going to walk up to them. I'm going to say this, and they're going to respond with this, and I'm going to have this really witty saying. I'm going to come back at them, and they're going to say this, and then it ends like in a knife fight or something. You know, we, we build these pictures. They never happen that way. They never happen that way. When we build this all up in our mind, you, you know what the solution to that is? You know the rest you need? The, the lack of aggra aggravation, the freedom from that, it's found in the shepherd. It's found in his care. Go to him. Turn to him and say, Lord, I can't cope with this. I can't deal with this. I don't know why this is bugging me. I just can't shake it. I can't get rid of it. Help me. Care for me. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And that is, that's the solution. That's the freedom that you need from aggravation is found 
in the shepherd's care, but also, fourthly, for a sheep to lie down in green pasture. The green pasture kind of illuminates what that is. They have to be free from hunger. A sheep that's hungry, that's malnourished, is constantly wandering, constantly on the move, constantly looking for something else to eat, for some sort of nutrition. And, and the shepherd says, look, I'm going to make you lie down in green pasture. Now understand this. Most great sheep countries are in semi-arid sort of desert places. This is, where, this is the context David writes from. David writes from Bethlehem, the Bethlehem shepherd boy. Anyone in the room ever been to Israel, ever been to Bethlehem? I personally have not. I've seen pictures. I, I want to get there sometime in the near future. But Bethlehem is a wasteland. It is a sun-scorched piece of earth. It is not sound of music, hills are alive, I'm just wafting through the green grass. That's not where David's right. That's not where most sheep country, that's not where they live. If there is going to be green pasture for a sheep, it's going to require a tremendous amount of work and effort and toil and labor on the part of the shepherd. The shepherd is going to make that possible, not because it's natural, but he's going to clear the land. He's going to tear out the brush. He's going to plow the tough soil. He's going to seed it with special seed. He's going to make sure that it's irrigated properly. He's going to make sure that the sheep have the green pasture that they need, that they're free from hunger so that they can what? So they can feed up quickly and lie down quietly. The shepherd takes that on his shoulders, his responsibility, that I'm going to care and I'm going to do this for them so that they can eat and they can rest. This is what, honestly, this is an apt analogy to what I set out to do on a Sunday morning. I want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to glorify God. We want to preach Jesus, crucified, buried, risen from the dead. But in a very real way, I seek to and I hope that people walk out of a Sunday morning service and they say, I feel like I was, sped, I was fed spiritually today. I, I hope that you can come to Harvest Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, that you can be fed spiritually and that you can pillow your head a little lighter and a little easier on a Sunday night. Why? Because I've been with God's people. I focus my attention on the Lord. I have, I've sung about him. I've been fed from his word. And, and that it can be an easy day for you. It can be a light day for you to, so that you can fill up quickly and that you can lay down quietly. And that is what the shepherd seeks to do. Philip said of the shepherd, and this idea that he's going to make green pastures for his sheep, here's how he put it. He said, he, God, Jesus, works to clear the life of rocks of stony belief. He tries to tear out the roots of bitterness. He attempts to break up the hard, proud human heart that is set like sun-dried clay. He then sows the seed of his precious word, which, if given half a chance to grow, will produce rich crops of contentment and peace. He waters this with the dews and rains of his own presence by the Holy Spirit. He tends and cares and cultivates the life, longing to see it become green, rich, and productive. It all denotes my shepherd's desire to see my best interest served. That's what David is saying. He is saying, under the shepherd's care, when I am running to him, when I'm allowing him to help my life and apply grace to my heart, it's then that I can have freedom. It's then that I can be fed. It's then that I can lie down in green pastures. Which brings me to the fifth thing. We're free from restlessness. It's not just the green pastures, but it's that we can lie down. That we can rest. The peace, the tranquility, the calm soul that we long for and that we desire can be found. Why? Because the shepherd's caring. 
Not because of what I do. Sheep can't do anything for themselves. And we're the sheep. <laughs> we're, we are the sheep. Sheep cannot fix themselves. They can't help themselves. They can't make themselves lie down in green pastures. They can't. They have to go to the shepherd and they have to seek his help. Haven't we all been there where we wanted the rest and we desired it and we craved it, but we turned to other things? Proverbs 4 says this. This verse has always struck me. Proverbs 4, 16. For they sleep not except they have done mischief. Their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fail. Ever been there? You couldn't sleep. You couldn't have the rest until you had your, your sin fix. Until you went and did what you knew you shouldn't be doing. Until you went and did what you knew. It was only going to satisfy temporarily and tomorrow was going to leave you just as thirsty and just as dry and just as hungry as before. But you just, you had to go. You had to do the mischief. You had to do the sin. You had to do the foolishness. I've been there where it was robbing my rest. It was robbing my sleep because of that. The solution is not found in the world. It's not found in sin. It's found in Jesus Christ. The restlessness that you so badly desire and that you long for is, is found in Jesus. And Christians can live this life of quiet overcoming, of, of contentment, where there's a lack of restlessness, where your burden is light. You can go to him, take on his yoke. You can find rest for your soul. And it's found in Jesus Christ and the restlessness and the freedom from that that we crave. We do. Deep down, we crave it. It's only found under the shepherd's care. It's only found in him. Lastly, I want us to see this, that we're also free from deception. Look at the end of verse number two. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Understand that, like I said, most, most sheep country, that's in a dry, semi-arid place. And sheep, generally speaking, get their water, unless they're somewhere in California or something like that. But in most cultures... They're going to get their water from three sources. Primarily, sheep get their water from dew. If there's a green pasture, early in the morning, that dew will set on the grass, and sheep can go for months without taking a drink because they just eat the grass, and the dew and the moisture that's contained in that will actually give them the ample water supply that they need. Eventually, they will have to go somewhere they'll have to drink, but primarily, sheep get their water supply from the green pastures. They also can get their water supply from a well, especially in David's day, a well, or some sort of running spring. The place you do not want your sheep to drink is the still water. You do not want your sheep to go to the stagnated pond with algae. You do not want your sheep to go to the little pothole in the middle of the road that filled up with some rain and now is muddy and dirty. You want to lead your sheep beside the still water but not to the still water. And this is what David is saying. He's saying that the Lord is the one that is going to take me as a sheep, that I as a sheep, I long for that water, and I want to go drink, and I think it's a good idea, but the, sheep, the shepherd says no. The shepherd leads me beside it, not to it. The shepherd says no, that's still water. And I've read this week several stories from actual shepherds who tell of their sheep who are just dumb animals who will walk up to any water source, and if they're not on guard and they're not leading them properly, they'll just start to drink. These, these water sources that are filled with pollutants and parasites and diseases and literally little, little bitty ponds of water that are filled with, with urine and feces from other animals that have been there, that sheep will just walk up and they'll just start drinking it. And they'll think, this is great, this is awesome, I'm quenching my thirst, not realizing I'm riddling my body and this, I'm going to pay a toll one day. 
I'm going to pay a price for what I'm allowing to enter into my body. But it's the shepherd's job to say, no, let me lead you beside the still water. Let me lead you. I know that looks good, and I know you want to drink, and I know that you think that's a great idea. What will this hurt? But it's his job to say, no, do not, do not be deceived by that. I will lead you beside that, and I'll give you from a well. I'll give you from a spring. But he leads beside the still water. Doesn't the Bible warn us of this? There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You say, well, where does that put me? So this seems right to me, but it's going to be death. Does that mean I can't trust my intuition? I can't trust my own logic. I, can't, I can never think, I can never have safety and security in something because this seems okay, this seems right, but it could be death. What am I to do? Here's what you're supposed to do. Follow the shepherd. It's his leading. It's his guidance. It's not your own wisdom. It's not your own heart. It's not your own brain that's going to allow you to know what's good and bad, what's, what's better and best, what's the wise thing to do. It's his leading. That there are times where he will lead you beside the still water and he'll say to you, I know you want to drink and I know you crave that. I know you're a little bit thirsty right now, but don't drink it. Don't be deceived by that. That's going to end in your death. That's going to end in disease. That's going to end in something that is that's painful and harmful for your life. Don't be deceived literally by sin, by the world, by the flesh. Don't be deceived by that. Let me lead you. Let me lead you beside the still waters, and eventually we'll get to the springs. We'll get to the clear water. We'll get to a source that's good for you. You see, in this verse, what David is saying is that true freedom from our fear and our friction and our anxiety and our restlessness and our, the deception of the world, freedom from all of that is found under the shepherd's care. It's found by following him and allowing him to lead us. And I encourage you today, if that's you, run to Jesus. If, if you ran to Jesus this morning, do it again tomorrow. Go to him and say, lead me and help me. Get as close to him as you possibly can and tell him, Lord, I'm a sheep. I'm dumb. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. I encourage you this morning to take inventory of your own life. Ask yourself these questions. Are you living life with anxiety and fear that should not be there? Do you find yourself in the comparison game with others feeling as though you must keep up with the Joneses? Are there situations or people in your life that have so bugged you that you just can't stop thinking about it? Does your soul feel malnourished? Are you living a life of sin that led you to your own restlessness and less than a clear conscience? Have you discovered recently that a path you chose was a way that seemed right to you, but it led to death? If you can check any of those boxes or say yes to any of those questions or multiple of those questions, I encourage you today, go to the Good Shepherd. He wants to care for you. The best news in all the world is that it's an enormous responsibility for him. And I know he's God. It's not a big deal to him because he's God. But it's an enormous amount of work to care for the sheep because we're sheep. It's an enormous amount of work, but he longs to take the responsibility upon himself. He longs to put it on his shoulders and to care for you in a way that is, that is out of this world. It's supernatural. And if you will go to him and just say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't give myself the peace. I can't give myself the freedom. I can't give myself what I'm so desperately craving. I need you to do it for me. I promise you, he will. You will find freedom when you're under the shepherd's care.